Lady Laura, welcome and thank you so, 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 so much for joining. Um, this is such an honor. Um, you're uh, one of the, the, the sort of greatest creative tour de forces in the world. Uh, so congratulations. <laughs> this is an honor I'm, I, I, I've bestowed upon you. Um, and uh, and uh, I think rather than me trying to uh, 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 say all of the amazing things you do, I just wondered if you could take two minutes to say who you are and uh, roughly what you do, and then we'll, we'll get into a nice chat. Yeah, of course. So I'm Laura JB. Um, I am president and chief creative officer here at Grey in the UK. Uh, loving it. Um, and then because I am very passionate about the power of creativity to create positive change, um, I'm also the creator of a bunch of other things. So one being She Says, which is 15 years old this year, which is the largest global network to advance the careers of women in the creative industries. So we're in... I would say maybe 55 odd countries around the world. Wow. Um, and then the other more recent thing over COVID is I co-founded, it's, it's an app called OCO, um, which connects disadvantaged youth with mentors in business, uh, kind of at that stage where you don't really know what you want to do professionally because you maybe haven't been exposed to all the options. So it kind of helps young people find their superpower. Um, we connect them using sort of shared personality traits. So it means that there's there's already like a connection and a point of focus when you first start yeah. off, which which kind of, you know, ends up in much more successful mentoring. So yeah. that's but a bunch of other things as well. I run the Can't <laughs> Festival for people that can't get a can and 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 a load of other stuff. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll get into all of it, um, but uh, you, you've you've got a lovely twang on your accent. Um, yeah, I can uh, say I, I know you, you've you've made a, a transition. And um, how how did that journey begin? Because I'd imagine that there's a lot of stuff that maybe happened at the beginning of your career that helped shape the things that you've ended up doing now. Um, yeah. And... Look, so I started out. Um, I started out at art school. Um, so, sort of en entered art school right when the internet was starting. So I was a couple of years in when the more consumer-facing internet kicked off in 1994, yeah. um, and just completely fell in love with it. I'd always been sort of quite geeky at school, and realised there was a really nice crossover between creativity and geekiness that was starting to happen in digital art. So CD-ROMs and early websites and uh, interactive art, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. So I kind of threw myself into it. Then whilst I was at university, realized I could make money out of what I was doing for my art because there weren't a lot of people that could, at, at the time everything was hand cut and coded and it was really fiddly. So um, I started my own business called Joystick Digital Media and I would go into advertising agencies um, who had built websites but had no idea how to get them off the flat page. So they were sort of designed in Photoshop or InDesign or what have you. And they would basically give me the files and I would make everything work for the internet, cut and code it, upload it, do them a database if they needed one, all of that kind of stuff and deliver them back a site. Um, and that's kind of how I got started in the, the industry. So I'm not trained in advertising or design or anything like that. It was literally through my art. Um, then I also used to teach at my old art college. And um, so I'd, you know, work 
four days a week and teach a day a week at, at art college. And this person came in to speak to my first years. He completely blew me away. His name's Simon Waterfall. He founded an agency called Deep End, which is, you know, sadly long gone, apart from in Australia, actually, where it still exists. Um, but he was super inspiring. The work that I saw was so much more advanced than the stuff that was happening in Australia, um, in Sydney. And he was opening up an office in Sydney. And so I just asked him afterwards, you know, can I please have a job at your agency because your stuff is really cool. He was really interesting. He seemed like a very kind of compassionate leader as well as being, you know, a real, a real sort of rebel. Um, I think the talk he did for my students, he was maybe wearing a kilt or maybe wearing a wedding dress. I'm not sure. And like with blue mohawk <laughs> and what have you. And I just, you know, thought that's the kind of place I want to work where you can be yourself and, um, and love what you do. So, asked him for a role and he he was just like look it's at, at the time it was the coolest digital agency in the world and he just said look, you don't have the the like the, the skills we only yeah. hire the best designers in the world and you're not even trained in design um but you know go and learn some more and next time i'm back in sydney i'll see your portfolio again and i'm like i just set my mind on working there so i think i probably saw him Every time he came to Australia to get his office set up and in those that first year, maybe, um, I'd see him every time he came to Sydney. <clears throat> and then eventually he contacted me and said, look, there's a job going, it's not as a designer, but do you want to come work at Deep End as a producer? And I just thought, like, fuck yeah, <laughs> I will do like, anything to work for this company. Yeah. So I, I went, took the job there, and then probably two years in and you know i was learning from the best designers in the world because they were the designers in the you know in the building and i was still doing a lot of design on the side and learning more stuff um he said there is a design job going in london do you want it it's the most junior designer but if you want to come come so yeah. i just thought i will and so i think i packed everything <laughs> up and came over here in about six weeks and uh -huh. i think it was on 12 grand a year um and uh, yeah, and, and went from there. But again, like suddenly I was doing the job that I, I dreamed of, but next to the most phenomenal designers and creatives in, in London. And, and actually that my, my first desk mate, I don't know whether you know Lolly at all, who's now at McCann, um, who's is the chief creative officer with Rob over in, at McCann in London. He was my desk mate. So, you know, literally bumping elbows wow. with the, the very, very best and, and learning on the job as I went along. It's so lovely that that sort of yeah you 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 took a job even though it wasn't the job that you wanted in order to give you access to potentially the job that you wanted and I think yeah I mean that it, it takes a certain person to be able to do that as well like I think a lot of people would be so nervous they'd be like oh maybe maybe it's I know maybe I need to hold out to the one that's actually right for me it's uh it's a good lesson there um yeah, the, the yeah. Just... I, think, I think in a way I'm lucky. I always say um, I'm lucky because I'm really comfortable being uncomfortable. I enjoy right. being uncomfortable. Right. I enjoy throwing myself in the deep end and always yeah. have done. And part, part of that is, um, you know, my, my high school, we had a hundred boys and only 20 girls at the school. I was always wow. a tomboy. I was the only girl in my entire football league. Everyone else in the entire league were boys <laughs> until I was about 16. Um, I was you know, desperate to join the scouts, not the girl guides. I've always had like 
always had some contrariness or like hadn't quite fit yeah. in the right places, if you know what I mean. And, and there's great yeah. freedom in that, I think, to yeah. go, well, I'm never going to fit, so I may as well just throw myself in and, and stand out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when, and when you, I mean, you're obviously looking after a lot of a lot of creatives now in your current job, you know, how do you, I mean, I guess it must be quite important for you to try and make them feel comfortable, uh, yeah. comfortable feeling uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the creatives and and the rest of the agency and the clients yeah. as well. And I think... Um, Do you have you any know, tips it, on how you help them get there? Or... You know what? I think one of the things, it very much depends if you're a younger creative, finding a culture that allows you to express who you are and to be yourself. Right. Like somewhere where difference is really celebrated and where as a collective... You can answer everything, but you don't need to know everything on your own. Um, so, you know, I would say more more than a tip in terms of how I do it, I would say, like, look for those places yeah. where that culture exists. And you can usually tell them because the lead, leadership are more connected. They listen more. You can tell just by stepping in somewhere and looking at the, you know, the makeup of the department. Um yeah you know, what that might be like. And I've certainly been in places which have very much not been like that. Um, yeah. And it's not something I ever wanted to create, that that sense of being made to feel out of place. I want everyone to to feel like they belong in their own personal, you know, weirdness and experience. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're doing a great thing at Grey at the moment, aren't you? There's the, I don't know whether it's still still there, but didn't um, Grey change their name today or is that is that just the london office or is this a global thing that was that was just the london office and and i can't take credit for that it's an amazing team here you know we we value so gray here in london what we say is at the heart and we've made sure it's at the heart of right. everything that we do internally not just what we say is this idea of collision of difference right so if creativity right. is all sorts of things smashed together to make something new it just makes more sense that if you're taking ideas or thoughts from other places, if you're, you don't have cultural consensus, if you're not all from the same background or you don't have the same stories, you're going to get to better ideas because you're going to find things that no one else can find. Um, so that for me is the essence of create creativity. So we've kind of made sure that everything here from, you know, hiring policies and that the ERGs here are really empowered. So ERGs for those who don't know, because I, didn't know the formal name for them before I joined a big company, <laughs> but it, that you know they're the groups like our LGBTQ plus group Unite, or you know we've got a group for parents and carers, we've got a group for ethnically diverse staff. Um, you know they're really really empowered here to come with ideas and for us to make them happen. And so the idea of they came from one of those groups from Unite. Um, it was just so brilliant at a time in the UK where trans rights have never been more uh, in danger and trans people have never been more yeah. threatened to, to do something really important to for, for trans visibility and to talk about everything that we do here for the LGBTQ plus community at Grey. Um, so we are at the moment, we are still they, but we are setting up our new TikTok channel soon which is going to be where they will sit. And that's right. going to have everything in terms of what we do around collision of difference. So everything we do nice. to celebrate people's difference. 
Yeah, so, so if anyone's listening and they're looking for a nice, diverse place to work, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if they're in advertising, hundred <laughs> percent. Grey London could be your your place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the the she says um, yeah. startup as well. I mean, that was that after you had moved to London, um, yeah. Because I'm I'm guessing it must have been related to. An, my background is also early days of digital marketing yeah, and I mean, yeah. it, it was very blokey. I remember we, we started sort of girl geek dinners um, in, in yeah. South Africa and a bunch of other places as well. It, it, it's, um, it, is that where that comes from? And, and, and yeah, what, how's that yeah, evolved so over time? Always, I've always been passionate of, about gender equity in our, in our industry and in the world and very passionate, as you said, about kind of digital so when I was in Australia, actually, I worked with an amazing woman, Rosie Cross, who founded something called Geek Girl, which is the first cyber feminist hyperzine. That means it was online and an actual magazine. Um, and I worked with her for quite a few years, making that happen. Um, a lot of my artwork had to do with with gender roles and gender stereotypes and sort of breaking breaking those down, and particularly on the internet, because if anyone was on the early days of the internet was very blokey, very pornographic, very lecherous, all of that, all of that stuff, you know, you had to pretend to be a man to be able to do anything because if you came identified as a woman online, you would just get harassment. Um, So when I moved here and then sort of went through the ranks and ended up, it was actually when I was the head of art at Glue, which is now part of ice about which is now part of dentu <laughs> yeah um, but uh i was running a team of i guess probably about 35 people and i think i um, was the only woman or there may have been one other woman in my department who was quite junior um and uh i would be asked a lot to go and you know speak at conferences or what have you and i was always the only woman except for one other woman here in the uk this amazing woman called ali lariu who's the brazilian creative and she was a creative director at another agency so we'd always be like hello digital woman hello other <laughs> digital woman <laughs> and that's how we became friends but when we were looking at because if you remember in the the 2000s feminism was really unpopular and there were the the, the kind of the conversation was really around how everything was fine and that we didn't need feminism and anymore and it was the you know the time of uh, ladettes and what have you um and it was very very uncool to kind of talk about the fact there was still disparity um but when we looked at our departments we went look there's still there's something seriously mm. wrong because we're not seeing any women even applying for the roles and then when they do apply for the roles because both of us are in charge of you know interviewing what we're finding is that Women are selling themselves in a very different way to men. And if you weren't a woman, you wouldn't pick that up and you wouldn't know, yeah. like look for potential rather than for what these people, you know, the, the, the men, I guess, have achieved. Um, yeah. And so we thought we need to do something to change the industry. We didn't know what that was. She said started out with just a few of us. Um, we, you know, borrowed an agency dare overnight or sort of in the evening with some wine just to talk about the issues. And then we realized actually in the coming together, there was incredible strength and power. And so we did it again, we did it again. And we made a commitment very early on to 
Number one, keep a sense of humour about ourselves. Number two, always at everything that we did that she says, like deliver kind of tools to improve your careers rather than talk about the issues because talking about the issues is exhausting and it doesn't get you anywhere, particularly when you're talking to the people who already know. So, you know, it became a monthly event in London where we would just make sure that people, the women that came to the events left more able to go into their businesses and, and kind of rocket. So, you know, filling you full of whether it's ideas or techniques or um, strategies or what, what, you know, whatever we felt that people wanted to know and very much involving that community as it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And always making sure also that the, uh, the speakers were always women because right at the beginning we had so many people say, but if the speakers are always women, you're going to run out of women in, you know, a couple of months. So I'm, I'm sure there are other really great women out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a commitment that we've, you know, kept now for 15 years. Ali moved to New York. She set up in New York. Um, and that was probably 10 years ago. And since then it's just exploded. So we're, you know, in Dubai, uh. we're in, well, I mean, we're, we're kind of everywhere. And it, it, I guess are these um, primarily real world or digital meetups or so they were exclusively real world meetups until really until covid yeah. and when covid hit we realized that we've got a real power in the network um and in the the membership we've got you know over seventy thousand people um women kind of worldwide wow. um so connected to she says so uh, we moved everything onto Zoom really, really quickly and, and started doing sort of virtual stuff. And now that things are starting to lessen, you know, lessen the lockdown a little bit, we're we're doing a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, and we're also exploring other things. So we've just got a new mentoring platform going out for She Says called The Way, which is um, asks you a little bit about yourself. It's really for mid-career women, asks you a little bit yeah. about yourself and then serves you really great content um, uh, regularly to again help train you up so you might learn about finance or you might learn about negotiation or writing a brief or whatever it is all these different aspects of the job um yeah so we're always trying to innovate and how i mean there are two things i mean firstly uh if anyone wants to join up where where do they where can they go to 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 we are she says.com just just and just sign up there okay fantastic (laughs) Um, and then uh, uh, the there was something else that you mentioned, which was interesting. It's sort of you're saying that you're training them on things like negotiation and and um, and and creativity and those kind of things. And I mean, that, it it it's something I guess we deal with a lot as well. In that um, I think those skills are just becoming more and more important, and a lot of the hard skills increasingly become more and more automated. And yeah. It's like, a, a, I almost feel like the soft skills become the new hard skills. Like they're the yeah. things that, that help give you your superpower so that you can go to, uh, to any role, uh, any job. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. And I, I, I wonder whether there's a reframing needed for soft skills, because it sounds like a bad word. Like it sounds like yeah. it's, these are things that you don't really need. They're the soft skills. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you more. I think soft skills are the most important things that you need yeah. now for, for business. And you're right. Everything, everything else is becoming automated. And yeah. even like the more 
practical, pragmatic side of creativity is being automated, right? There's there's kind of so much now that you don't need to do. And the magic that we add are those soft skills. It's the amazing brain you have and the weird way that it connects things. It yeah. is the way that you communicate. It's the way that you listen. Um, you know, all, all of that stuff. Negotiate yeah, I mean, yourself. Yeah, because you, you know, you're, you're a big advocate for, for the power of creativity. And I mean... I guess there's lots of different roles that you could have been doing, but you've cho chosen to, you know, for now anyway, you've chosen to stay in advertising and, and, yep. and help, help fight the fight here. Like, yeah. Well, why is that? What, what do you, what do you, what do you think the power of creativity is and why, you know, how are you helping to, to push it in the right direction, I guess, yeah. in, in the industry? I think one of the reasons that I still love advertising or, you know, more broadly communications, making stuff, with brands yeah. um, rather than, you know, just being an artist, for example, is, is the power of scale. The fact that when I'm working on a piece of work, which is integral to a brand's success, um, you know, there is an incredible power there in terms of the way that you approach it, who you put in front and behind the camera the stories that you're telling how those stories are benefiting different communities for example um you know every at every point there are options to you know e even down to the you know working with the clients in terms of what products and services they offer and, and a really deep understanding of the audience which you have to have in in this industry uh, or audiences you know, our, our superpower is making really complex things simple and getting people to fall yeah. in love with them. And that's an incredibly powerful thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I still really love what I do and make sure, you know, when at, at every single stage, when I'm looking at the, the work that we're producing and the way that we're operating as a business, that we're sort of living and breathing those values, because I feel like that's that's got the power that unless you're like a super, super famous artist... Right, yeah. you'll never have. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you've done some amazing things. I mean, the I remember the you know you did that fun thing. It was at Carlsberg Adopt a Keg or something. Yeah, there's like yeah. some. There's been. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether whether you you mind sharing a, a couple of the things that that you're most proud of because there's some amazing work that you've done. Uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Uh, not <laughs> worthy. Well done. Um, you, know, you know what? I'm a little bit of a. <laughs> I would say a magpie. There are things that I'm really proud of that. I did, you know, 10, 15 years ago, some of those would be uh, Macmillan Infinite. So that was a piece of work for Macmillan uh, Cancer Support. They wanted to lobby the government around fuel poverty for cancer patients. Um, their brief was to create like a, almost like an online form, gen a letter generator that you could, you know, generate a letter and send to your local MP we thought we could do something that may be a bit noisier. So we created um, the world's first automated like knitting machine connected to the internet. <laughs> so you could, this is a long time ago. So this is like the, the beginning of social media. <laughs> but yeah. you, could, you could tweet um, a message around what keeps you warm. Um, and uh, that would get translated into an, unique knitting pattern which would get put into a scarf and that scarf would be 
so the the scarf was being filmed as it was being knitted and it was it ended up being longer than big ben kind of sat there for a month creating it was basically a way of it was a knitted petition a way of signing a yeah. petition in a really beautiful way and then that scarf was delivered to number 10 i think one of the royals took a bit up to everest or something like that um i remember but, writing about it i, I used yeah, to write but I, about you know, it i loved i love that piece and i love that piece because it was effective and it got the law changed yeah. um which is exactly the point um, and I loved, again, a little few years later, working on Barclays and developing life skills for Barclays, um, which is a program that's still going. And it's had, I don't know how many millions of young people now go through that program and get work experience at the other end. So those to me are like big career successes. But, you know, you always mm -hmm. love the things that you're making at the moment most. I mean, I, I love <laughs> Dr. Keg. I think that was um you know really clever way of carlsberg doing something for their bars so they're like on trade partners to keep them open during lockdown when you couldn't actually go to the bar so a dr keg is um you buy a beer in the supermarket um for each beer you buy you fill up a virtual keg and then when the bar's open you can go into the bar and pick up a beer um, so a really nice way of driving footfall in back into the bars when they opened. Um, and that has gone from just being in Denmark to actually being a bit of an e-commerce platform globally, which is really nice. Um, but, you know, we've I've done so much brilliant stuff for Pringles, who I love as clients. <laughs> uh, we've just launched something uh, called Stay in the Game. It is a competition um, to basically take an MPC's job in uh, a train sim game and so your job will be filling a pringles vending machine on the station <laughs> in the game uh but it's a you know it's really lovely so you basically you will get mapped onto this character and you will stay in the game in perpetuity um people to see out the window while they play train sims so that's quite fun and there's that's a really brilliant. nice sort of, i guess prize attached so you, you get you get a virtual job the world's first virtual job i guess <laughs> as an mpc I love it. um but we make a lot of really, really nice stuff with them. We're doing some really exciting stuff at the moment, which is coming out for, you know, around Christmas time, World Cup time, which is going to be great. Um, you know, it's we've nice got... to see more humour in advertising as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've missed it the last sort of five, six years. So yeah. it's nice to see yeah. it come back again. Yeah, we did a really nice piece um uh, which actually uh, picked up in Cannes this year as well, called Never Sent Without Consent, which, you know, going back to being able to change change things for real in the world. Um, uh, uh, the, my creative department is very, we have a lot of women in the department. A lot of the younger women were getting a lot of dick pics over COVID. For some reason, the number of dick pics went through the roof. So we did a piece of work. We worked with Brooke, the sexual health charity, who are fantastic on on a piece around, first of all, around educating people about non-consensual imagery of genitalia. <laughs> uh, because, you know, a lot of people send it and a lot of people don't think about the consequences. It's okay. Yeah. Hopefully okay. they'll stop ringing. <laughs> Um, uh, but then also to lobby the government to get unsolicited dick pics made illegal. So um, we did a really beautiful campaign, beautiful like 
really stunning poster campaign, but over the top of the willy, the, the illustrations were of kind of bros taking dick pics of themselves. Um, and then the QR code was over the willy with just, you know, this is, this is illegal in real life. Uh, why isn't it online? Um, but when you take the picture uh, of the, uh, you snap the QR code, you get driven to Twitter to tweet your local MP again to to build support around um, getting it put into the online harms bill, which we achieved, which is great. So that that for me, again, it's a really great piece of work because it achieved something. Um, you know, it's now in the online harms bill. Hopefully everything is now going to be passed with all the crazy stuff that's happening in government at the moment. I hope it doesn't delay the online harms bill. Um, but to be able to get cyber flashing in there, like as a statement crime was we were really chuffed. It's interesting that the, I guess the, the other thing in advertising is that not only do you get to affect change for lots and lots of people, but you, know, you get to do it in lots of different spaces. Like you were talking about mm. Pringles and Carlsberg and then Macmillan, yeah, they're all yeah. very different audiences, very different industries. So I guess it must link into curiosity as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, kind of like I a, think you have to be, intrinsically curious to be a great creative and certainly one of the things i love the most is is the, the the learning curve that you go on so you know you become an expert in high-end washing machines right and for <laughs> eight months or something you know everything there is to do with every single washing machine and then it might be a particular car or the you know the way that brakes braking systems work and then it could be you know, when we when we when I started here and first got inducted into Pringles, you know, it's a five hour induction course, which is fascinating because you learn so much about the history yeah. and why it's the shape that it is. And, um, you know, all of those things I find absolutely fascinating um, and to be able to to have a job where you're just served, the, served that opportunity to learn and to discover yeah. stuff all the time. I just think it's wonderful. It definitely keeps it interesting. And what's the most interesting thing you've learned recently about anything, I guess? Oh, gee, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I've learned, actually, I've learned a lot about juice. So okay. at the moment, um, I, I feel like I'm an expert in, in juice. <laughs> <laughs> juice of all kinds. How juice is consumed around the world. What kind of what kind of juices and juice characteristics are the the ones that people in different countries love? <laughs> wow. Who drinks it? Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it is. It's so interesting. It's. I remember learning that um, was it. Most wine is consumed within twenty four hours of it leave, leaving the the supermarket. Um, oh yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I, I found a really so. good fact from one of my clients, um, which one of my creatives told me actually this week, which is cheese is the most stolen product out of British supermarkets. What? I mean, that's kind of cool. That's, yeah. <laughs> I what think that's <laughs> good form. Like, yeah. I'm actually yeah. kind of proud of that. Like, it's a nice, yeah. nice thing uh, people are seeing. It, it, I mean, it, I guess it is crazy expensive, so fair enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I saw... Um, yeah, we, meant, we, we mentioned just before the call started was this kind of power of mentors. And I, 
I read somewhere, I don't know whether it was you that started it or your colleague, you know, it said there was something, a, a program that was called Who's Your Mama, which I just thought was uh -huh. such a cool name. Um, yeah. Is that related related to, to mentoring? And Yeah, it is. It's the She Says Mentoring platform. Right. So it's our, you know, if there are any women or non-binary people out there who want a, a free mentor, um, we don't run it everywhere in the world, but we do run it in quite a few places, including the UK. And we match you up one-to-one -one with mentor. And then you were talking about something new, I think, that, that you were doing, yeah. where you were saying, and I thought it was quite smart. You said you you match not necessarily on industry, but on personality type or on, on is, yeah. is that right? So that's, that's OCO, which uh, I think I mentioned I kind of co-founded during COVID. And, and it is... To, for the men for the mentee it's about helping that mentee like find their superpower and bridge that attainment gap so if you've never had a a parent who's gone to university or has worked in a particular industry you might not even know that's the industry for you so it's pointless going right. what do you want to be you know when you leave school or whatever um i want to be an engineer we'll put you with an engineer because you might not know that that is an option particularly actually right. in the creative industries but this is for any industry um, and so we match through personality traits instead. And that just means, and it's actually quite magical to experience that your mentor, your mentee, you have a commonality. So therefore you can actually be a much more effective mentor. Like I, my first mentor through the program and we were beta testing, this phenomenal guy called Eli. Um, and it may not have been a, like a, a you wouldn't have thought it was an immediate fit, but he was so similar to me. He is so similar to me. So even things like turning up to a mentor appointment on the wrong day because you've got the day wrong um, yeah. is just something that, that I have done a thousand times before, that kind of thing. And to be able to talk about then how maybe I mitigate that by, <laughs> by managing my time a little bit better. Um, but it just it gives you that really nice connection. And I think... Um, from a mentor's point of view, you obviously get leadership training and it's a really clear like six week program that you get taken through um, in order, you know, to kind of showing you how to be a good mentor. Um, but the other thing you get is connection to someone that you wouldn't have on the face of it thought you had a connection with. And I think, you know, in this world where there is so much kind of separation and polarization of communities and opinions just to go you are completely different to me in every single way, except you're not. And there's a real commonality there. It's quite magical. So, yeah, that's something that we've worked on for the last two and a half years, really. And it's, it's just launching now. That's at so, weareok.com if you're interested. <laughs> and, uh, it's marvelous. I'll put all the links to these in, 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 the, in the comments and um, or in the, in the description. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, uh, I'll... Uh, I, there's a million other things I want to ask, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, I know that we've only got like a few minutes left, so I'll, yeah. I'll try and um, end it on on something uh, slightly silly um, okay. and uh, and creative, and and ask you a weird question that we often ask okay. people: is, um, Would you rather uh, sing whenever you wanted to talk, or always walk, uh, dance whenever you wanted to walk? Oh my goodness! I want to do both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is an answer. You, you know, there, yeah, there is I no right or wrong. Do. I would love to be in a position where I could do both, um, <laughs> but possibly, possibly sing. 
But I, yeah, honestly, I'd much prefer to sing and dance than walk or talk. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you were singing, what type of singing would it be? Are we going opera here? I mean, uh, are we going, uh, are we going rapping? Uh, where? <laughs> Where, oh, where well, you know, I'm, I'm actually a little bit of a, a like a, a industrial goth girl. That's kind of showing my age, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it might be, it might be something along those lines. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> so is that, would that be saying it with real passion and, and, and like and with passion <laughs> in a little bit in, in a minor key, maybe <laughs> nice. you know, I might be a little bit nice. sinister. There might nice. be some blood involved or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your team might get a bit scared, but apart from that, it sounds yeah, marvellous. Yeah, right. You can counter it with a, with a silly dance. Uh, so <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds great. Uh, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat. I, I wish you all the very best of luck with everything you're doing. And I think if the world was full of more people like you, Lady Laura, I think it would be a much, much better place. So thank you so much for thank helping so to much, inspire Chris. so many yeah. others to do that too. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>